0: Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Beardy and the Geek. I am Beardy. I am also Emmett Okuna and my colleague here is Brian. How are you doing tonight, Ryan?
1: Good, good. A little bit beardy myself, actually. Two weeks growth. Looking uh,
0: a little bit hassute <laughs> you, you, You've gone all natural, have you? I have.
1: Well, two weeks off work will do that to you.
0: Yes, for those of you who don't know, uh, Ryan's been off work for a bit, so uh hope you're doing better and uh, I'm glad you've agreed to... Talk to me tonight on all things Australian and comics.
1: No doing well. The Sex Change went according to plan <laughs> It keeps it interesting.
0: Tonight we're going to be talking about two comics, two Australian comics. Paul Bedford's The List, which is a deeply disturbing psychological horror that has many readers and editor seats. It's it's certainly something you need to experience for yourself. But we're gonna and summarise it for you anyway. And we're also gonna be talking about Winter City from the Purcell Brothers. Now, Ryan, you actually read this before I did. And I remember your review because you were very excited about this. And that inspired me to go out and meet these two guys at Supernova. So you're going to be talking about this tonight.
1: I will be, yeah. I I reviewed this one back in June, and uh, I was very excited. Uh, Before we get to that, though, I'll just say... Stay tuned until the end of the show. We're going to give you details on how you can win a trip to New York Comic Con, including flights, accommodation, and entry to the con itself. Very exciting stuff.
0: And also, just before we get stuck into the reviews There's a wee bit of news for you folks uh, if you're in Melbourne next weekend uh, go on down to Yara building in Federation Square for the Skinny Arse Comics launch which has actually been held as part of Melbourne Writers Festival for 2012 launching on the day are a number of books The Trials of Francis Bear by Gregory Mackey which looks very interesting but we also have For the Term of His Natural Life by Peter Foster that's from Piketia Press we have All You Bastards Can Go Jump Off a Bridge by Joey Mark Schmidt. Also, another Shadow Books, and he, you may remember, co-created The Six Myths with Jason Frank, so it's good to see him coming out with something new. And Unforgotten by Toby Riddle. It's Alan and For those of you who don't know, Alan and Unone do a fantastic graphic novels line as part of their publishing. They do some brilliant creators, uh, brilliant Australian talent, so well worth supporting them. Mm-hmm. And also, I can see here we've got a book called Showman, with a question mark, Showman, Brett Braddock Adventures, Books 1 and 2 by Naked Fellow Productions, and that's actually a collection of a webcomic. Summarized here, the tale of Brett Braddock, wealthy arsehole, recently came into a poignant end, now the whole story is collected together in two jam-packed volumes. That's good, I, I like to see it, I like it when... Uh, Webcomic graduates into the printed format because that really is a good way of uh, drawing people's attention to the work of these people who get their start online and now they're progressing. So it's it's great to see stuff like that out there.
1: It is, and a lot of the time I think um, you know people you, you get into webcomics because it's it's inexpensive and you don't have to uh, you know you don't have to fork out for printing or anything like that, and then to have it printed. In a way, now, I can't speak for everyone, but in a way, personally, I'd feel like that's some sort of affirmation. Webcomics in themselves, nothing against them whatsoever, and I think they're fantastic. But what is even more fantastic is seeing them in print.
0: Yeah, myself and uh, Carol Connolly had a bit of a discussion about this on the Moments Report podcast a few weeks ago about webcomics and Getting to bookstores and that there is that controversy over how is it more legitimate to get into a bookstore, but it must look great to see your work uh, that has existed in online and is in this ephemeral state to see it bound in a book on your shelf. That must just be fantastic. So, uh, just to know.
1: be able to hold it, to be able yeah. to hold your work in your hands. You know? <laughs> exactly. Exactly.
0: So. Let's, it. let's get started. We're going to lead off with uh, The List by Paul Bedford. And Henry Pop and Tom Bonin are on art duties. The List is a deeply weird and dark fable about a family torn apart and ravaged by a curious religious cult. We learn very little about what has happened to them. We only see the consequences uh, as the story begins with a father and son, identified solely as father and son, no names, sitting together in a car covered in blood. And the list of the title is a list of instructions, commandments, given to them from on high, as it were, from an angel, that only they can see. And the father passes on to the son this list, and then takes his own life. Uh, Now, in the eyes of the son... He has been enlightened. He has been risen up into heaven. So as this throughout the book? There's this confusion as to whether or not there is an angel, whether or not the, this family have been chosen by God to do certain acts and then commit these horrible acts of violence. It's, it's a very dark story. It really does play with the religious subjects quite well. There's a uh, lots of references to what would what we would see today as, uh, religious fanaticism, but there's also the suggestion, well, maybe these people are just psychologically disturbed, maybe they're suffering from some mass delusion. So it's it's very curious book, but I have to say I, I was rapt by it. I absolutely I loved it because I feel if you're reading a book and you're experiencing um, strong emotions, that is a sign of talent and ability, that it's actually inciting this in you. So the list for me was something that was very disturbing and, and very, uh, very dark. But at the same time, I appreciated that it, it brought out these feelings in me, and that I could recognise the anger and rage in the page. It, it, it feels to me a lot like Jim O'Barr's work in *The Crow*. You know that that sense yeah, yeah. of uh, just anger. You know that I think for an adolescent male reader would be very much yeah. <laughs> so I mean, how did you you you've read it now finally, haven't you, Ryan? How did, I have. You find yeah.
1: Yeah, uh, well, I actually I read through it twice. I wanted to give myself time to get through it and and sort of drink it in. And mm. it, same sort of thing. It's it's disturbing, but not in the sense of it's not something like Human Centipede, which is just you know <laughs> disturbing because of how grotesque and horrible it is. It's disturbing because of how angsty and just I don't know. It's a really difficult one to describe because it, it didn't actually use any cheap tricks. The entire book is in black and white, so there's no blood and guts and gore and, and splashed around with, you know, paintbrushes full of red paint. Yep. You know, they've actually used this this horrible, creepy sort of, I don't know, it's a cringeworthy hair-on-end feeling that you get from the entire story. Mm. And that, to me, is first and foremost from Bedford. I get that just from from speaking to him he, <laughs> he scares shit out of me Um, (laughs) but that aside, it's just a really creepy foreboding sort of feeling where these things are happening and like you said, you don't quite know whether it's because he, has he actually got the list from God or from a higher higher being or is he just a mental case Mm. who's on a killing spree and, and thinks that he's heard this, I mean there's a lot of things that you could read into this and it's really well framed throughout one thing that I I did bring up with you earlier was the art itself and um, being in black and white and not a whole lot of grey it seemed as though there was a lot of negative space Mm -hmm. a lot of the backgrounds are are quite sparse and and I wasn't sure whether or not this was a stylistic decision or
0: not. Yeah, I, I felt it was. I felt that there was play with religious iconography there that, to me, the look of the son, the expression on his face when he's committing acts of violence looks like the appearance of a religious saint on a stained glass window. This look of peace in amidst the chaos because if you, if you look at religious iconography you usually have the saint standing in the centre and around them violence and horror and obstruction and It kind of brought that out to me. Now, maybe that sounds deeply pretentious. I'm sure it does. But what is great about this book, and I think you touched on it there, is there is so open to interpretation. It's so spare. But at the same time, it is touching on these big issues. So it invites you to bring to it your understanding of what's happening. So to me, the art was part of that. The script and the art combined really well. It's very simple. But the horror is very real. It's very direct. It's very sincere. And it gets you at a gut level. You, you feel floored after reading this. I, th- I remember when I read uh, From Hell for the first time by Alan Moore, which is also in Black and White, which also has this visceralness to it, there the scenes, of the murder scenes, are so clinical and they're so horrifically staged. You know, there, there's this inevitability. We know these women are going to get killed. And you read it and you just feel this sense of, oh God, it's happening. You know, And the list has an aspect of that too where we can't stop this happening it's going to happen we can see the train coming there's no escape and at the very end there's a there's the slimmest possibility of hope i don't want to spoil it for anybody but it, it really that the fact that he is aware of that and he's able to bring that out in us it's just i think it's it's
1: great work it is great work I mean it's definitely it's definitely one that should be picked up it's available through who's um, a big cartel and and posable or posable uh, at the moment. It's it's one of those books where you sort of, when I was reading this, I was thinking surely this script had to have been pitched or, or, or this book had to have been pitched elsewhere. And if it has, why the hell hasn't it been picked up?
0: Yeah, yeah, it's true. You know,
1: Very it, true. It's so well written that there's, there's absolutely no reason. And I'm not an editor. I'm not, you know, I'm not someone who's putting my money on the line to, to you know, put books out there on shelves. But if I had read this and um, was in a position to publish it, hmm. I'd, I'd pick it up in a heartbeat. So
0: yeah, I mean, if you look, uh, like I was saying earlier on, the Crow is this enduring book. It has this appeal. I think IDW have just uh, started up a new series based around the Crow. Has, yeah. So it has this purity to it, which I think readers still. Uh, are attracted to. But if you look at a lot of the other vigilante books or lone madmen or religious fanatic books that came out, especially around the nineties, there is this cynicism to them. And there's one thing this book isn't, it's it's definitely not cynical. It's very much committed to showing us what these characters are going through and the horror that they're enduring. And that that to me is once again Leaped right off the page, and like you say, if you were to read that as an editor, you'd probably going, "God, I've to get this out there because it will snap people's attention to it. It's definitely something that grabs your attention, really compelling work. So, you know, yeah, I I really do hope this gets picked up by a major publisher and gets out there and gives gives give Paul Bedford some love
1: because he's a he's a
0: scary man,
1: but he's a lovely chap really when he gets (laughs) down. See, I, I've only ever had dealings with um with Mr Bedford through and I call him Mr Bedford. <laughs> Mr Bedford. <but> <laughs> You know, Mr. But,
0: I doff my hat to you, Mr. Bedford, yeah, I, you
1: know, I walk out of the room backwards with my head bowed and <laughs> palms facing the ceiling. No, I I give full credit to him, and and you know he, he's this big scary guy. I've only ever spoken to him through you know, Facebook and Twitter and stuff like that, and you know, this big scary guy that puts on a big big front. And I'm sure that he could snap you like a twig, but heart of gold. Mm. Like he's just he's an absolute champion of the Australian comic book scene, and and he loves the Aussie comic book scene as mm. much as anyone. So uh, a guy like that definitely deserves everything that comes his way.
0: Yeah, exactly. And, and, you know, it's funny because this other book we're going to talk about now, in a moment from yourself, Winter City. The brothers behind it, Patrick and Carl Purcell. They're lovely lads. They're com- they're completely uh, very charming, very talkative, very chatty. Especially Patrick. I mean, I met him. He was doing the rounds of the convention floor, so he was actually interested in talking to all the other people as well. You could see he was he was enjoying chatting to other creators. And then they've produced this work, which is I think comparable to the list in terms of its darkness.
1: Oh, absolutely! I mean, I, I reviewed this a little while ago, and um, I I compared it to Spawn. Now, pretty much the the best way of explaining it is that as a young kid, he goes through some horrible things, and eventually a. a one of the lines here, Sam winters claims he's vengeful, vengeful retribution from mm. the vile criminals who destroyed everything that mattered. You know that that's your classic revenge story right there. Yeah. But uh, what they do, and it does have a, a bit of a, a spawn feel to it, both in aesthetic and uh, on the on the script. But what they deliver is something that's so far beyond you know, their years and beyond their experience and beyond even, you'd have to argue their capability because these kids, and, and from speaking to them myself as well, and I do say kids because... You know, we're old.
0: Kids, we're, we're, we're too old, men. <laughs>
1: they, these are kids, you know, I met them both, both the Purcell brothers. I, I met them at Supernova as well. You know, they were, they were just... Young and youthful and they hadn't been around the traps like you know you look at Tim mcEwen and i'm I'm don't mean to pick on Tim, but he's been around forever, <laughs> you know he and Trevor bovine have been on the Australian scene for as long as I can remember. Patrick and Carl have produced something that, I don't know, it, it's just come out of nowhere and kids that you've never heard of before and they've absolutely knocked it out of the park. You know,
0: I had, I, I, had to say, I was very impressed when I was leaving work one day and I was walking through Town Hall and saw a copy of MX and they were on the bloody cover. Yeah, <laughs> so I mean, they're they're actually attracting a lot of attention as well. Which, in terms of as you say, uh, new creators coming onto the scene, they've worked the publicity machine quite well.
1: They have, and I've seen I've actually seen um, pictures of, of Winter City at you know San Diego Comic Con, and who how many how many other Australian creators that create their own books. End up with their their books at San Diego Comic Con within within no time. You know, like, mm. you know they've got copies copies of this at King's Comics. Anyone that you speak to that has read it, they rave about it. I rave about it. You know, they've here They've created a character that's equal parts Rorschach and Dexter Morgan, just an over the top sort of vengeful, horrible spirit. Yeah, I, I gush a little bit about this.
0: We have to give credit where credit's due, as well, to Pablo Verduga Munoz, because he his work here is just fantastic. In terms of it looks like something that's coming from a uh, established artist from the American superhero scene. I think that's where you're getting your cues uh, from Spawn in terms of the look of the book. I would I would detect a lot of uh, manga in there as well, and it, it's a wonderful blend of styles, but. What's interesting about Sam, the main character Sam, and his present day self, referred to as Death, is that there's nothing supernatural about him at all, from what we can tell. He simply has a very refined suit of armour, and uh, he plays upon people's fear of death, so in, in a sense he's a bit like Batman, you know, in terms of play, the fear of the supernatural. Uh But he is bloodthirsty, he is this savage Avenger and uh Minos just nails it, I find. I think the arc really does capture this threat and menace of this character. For me, it is the chief appeal of the book. It just looks
1: brilliant. It does, and I mean... I suppose if, if you're talking about funny books, you know, you're talking about comic books, that's that's a big part of it, is that if it doesn't capture you visually, mm. um, it, it can quite easily fall over. They've created a book that reads well, that looks fantastic. The actual hard copies themselves are really well printed as well. Mm-hmm. Good card stock. It's, I don't know, it's, it's just a win. It's a winning combination from all angles. And I can't wait to see what th- these guys do from here. Uh, one, one thing that we should probably explain is that they are a little bit slow in coming down. You know, they're coming through the pipelines every six months or so, these issues. Uh, we're up to four at the moment, I believe. So it's not as if it's a monthly uh, monthly book or anything like that. But I've been told by Patrick when I saw him last that Munoz, the artist, he will be working on them a bit more steadily now. He's wrapped up some some study or something like that. He actually... He's from Chile, I believe. Mm-hmm. So they do everything online. The art should be picking up, you know, getting done a little bit quicker now. So hopefully we'll see it out every couple of months instead of every six months. Because I don't know, I, I want all twelve issues or all twelve volumes now.
0: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know. yeah. It's 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 fantastic to see because I wonder did they find Minos. Uh, through DeviantArt or whatever, the same way that Gestalt found uh, Emily Smith, like she was um, she was publishing her stuff online, mm. uh, and then she uh, pitched herself to uh, Gestalt and they took her on for Unmasked, which we talked about there a few weeks ago with Christian Reed. Actually, I was just reading. Testimonials from comic creators, uh, Australian comic creators on the sad news of, uh, Joe Kubert's death. And, mm-hmm. uh, Emily actually stated that he was the one who encouraged her to pitch because she met him at the convention and, and Kubert said, go for it, you know, do it. Yeah, which is, which is, which is unbelievable. And, and she's such a talented artist. But what I'm saying is these people haven't come through the traditional studio method. They seem to have come online. They're yep. emerging from the online, uh, websites and then, finding these indie publishers or just uh, publishing their own work uh, self publishing and capturing our attention once again which is just brilliant to see
1: well I think that that's definitely a conversation for another day but that, that's yeah. a really great point that um, you know the online realm and like we were saying about about web comics and and everything else is that it, it doesn't take much if you've got the you know, you've got the skill mm. there's not much more that you need than a, a Computer and a scanner, or I don't know. It's it's a fantastic thing, especially because instead of lugging around all of your art to a con and lining up and maybe being seen by someone, maybe not. It's all online. But then it's also you've got editors who can actually look at these things. As long as it's a it's a solicited uh, submission, they can just look at these things at their leisure. You know, you've got a much better chance of getting them when they're not angry because they've seen a thousand different fanboys that day. Mm they're seeing the work on their terms. So I think we'll see a lot more of that where people are discovered online, and it'll be interesting to see if there's um, some writers that get picked up that way as well.
0: Okay, so Winter City Folks by Patrick and Carl Purcell, a story, and artist Pablo Verdugo-Munoz. Recommended from both of us, I think. It's, it's great fun. If you're interested in early Frank Miller, you know, the good stuff, uh, before he went off the deep, <laughs> before he crossed the sanity borderline, and uh, if you... Are interested in sort of a darker vigilante uh, costume fable. This is just top stuff.
1: Yeah, that one. Uh, you can find all the details on that at www.winter-city.com, but also with the list. Uh, if you head to the list graphic novel all one word dot bigcartel.com. You'll be able to find that one there as well.
0: You're also well-recommended to check out the list on Facebook. If you just search for the list, uh, Paul's got a strong presence there on Facebook. And you can interact with him and uh, pass on our regards, please. Yeah,
1: we, yeah please we, do. These are we, two... we don't want him to hurt us. <laughs> no, not again. Uh, Really highly recommended book, um, The List. I mean, it's just horribly unnerving. And like you said, if it's something that can elicit emotional response, um, they've done a good job. Yep, definitely. Without resorting to cheap tricks as well. Exactly, exactly. So, you've got some news for
0: the fateful fans out
1: there. What have you got for us, Ryan? Just one quick thing before we leave you. Uh, I wanted to give you some details on how you, yes, you, listener, can win a trip to New York Comic Con. Now, that's four days at the con, flights and accommodation included, all thanks to Curicon. Uh, If you haven't heard of Curicon, what it is, it's basically a social network. It's by nerds, and the people that created it, they are nerds, they're a whole bunch of Aussie nerds um, that are collectors themselves, created this social network where you log on, you have great big archives of comics and action figures and DVDs and um, dolls and all sorts of different stuff. You add what you own, and you can talk to people about the stuff that you own. So it's like a big Facebook sort of thing, but it's just concentrated on geeks. Now, if you go to www.curicon.com, C-U-R-I-C-O-N.com, uh, you'll get all the details on how you can win a trip to New York Comic-Con. Uh, enter, I already have. I'm hoping that I'll win. I, I don't know about you, Emmett, but um, <laughs> there's no other way I'll ever get there. So
0: I, I'm just afraid of the chuds. I mean, New York is full of chuds. It's notorious for chuds.
1: So ten like I know what chud means. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Some people out there will have seen the episode of The Simpsons. they don't know that's what I'm to. No, it, it's... Uh, it's a fantastic opportunity for anyone out there. And Curricon is well worth your time. New startup uh, focusing on nerds. It's certainly something that's interesting to see develop, um, that we have an entire entertainment industry that's now uh, focusing on uh, fan culture and nerdiness and so forth and geek them. So I think the lads are actually... Leaving Australia, I mean, last I heard, my understanding was they're actually upping sticks and going to the States.
1: Yeah, last Uh, I heard, they're going to uh, Silicon Valley. Yeah. So, So, um, I mean, this is – the thing that I love about this as well, this is another one of those Australian success stories. Uh, The thing I love is that you look at Zuckerberg and Facebook and you think, well, you know, how interested were they in actually having people meet people or, or keeping contact with people Personally, I think zero. They really didn't give two, mm. you know what's. Uh, whereas these guys, they are collectors, and they're, you know, you know that you can quiz them on the discussion boards or on the Q and A boards or something like that. You can quiz them, and they know their stuff. The best thing is that these are guys that know how to do all the coding and everything else, all the stuff that I don't know anything about. Mm. They know how to do that, but they also know their stuff in terms of comic books and and everything else. And uh, you can actually get into conversations with Matt Byrne, who's the CEO uh, of Curicon. Get into conversations with him on Curicon about, uh, you know, he's a massive Spider-Man fan. Uh, Get into chats with him about Spider-Man and uh, he'll love you. (laughs) (laughs) I can't guarantee that I'll help you with the competition, but, you know, (laughs) it's worth a shot.
0: Great stuff, great stuff. Okay, well, folks, that's all we've got time for this week. Uh, my name is Emmett Okuna, you can find me on themomusreport.bloodspot.com.au,
1: and my colleague here is Ryan from Geek of Oz. Give us your spiel, Ryan. And you can find me uh, at geekofoz.com. You really need to get one of these .com, just just your name. Yeah,
0: there. I know, it would make things easier, wouldn't it? Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm cheap, though. You know? That's
1: fine, I've heard. <laughs>
0: I'm not even paying for this podcast. (laughs) You look like everything else. Yeah, yeah. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. Tune back in. We'll be back in the fourth night's time with more comic news, comic reviews, and uh, a few interviews in the lineup as well. So looking forward to that. Cheers, folks.
1: See ya.